Good afternoon for those of you on the East Coast and good morning for those of you on the West Coast. Today is August 27th, 2020. And thank you for joining us for the end of summer regulatory webinar. Can you believe how quickly this summer has come and gone? I can't believe that we're just days away from Labor Day. If you're a return listener to our webinar, our podcast, thank you for joining us again. If you're new, please visit our website, debtreliefwatch.com or shipkovich.com, as well as uh, the primary podcast stations to listen to previous webcast recordings. And today we have a fun, and I really will emphasize the word fun, webinar. Discuss the debt relief industry during COVID-19, assessing the recent regulatory and market changes. I will be a moderator, and we have a fantastic veteran panel, uh, industry veterans, of Tomas Gordon, Joseph Duarte, and Lawrence LaRose. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We'll discuss, the panelists will discuss the recent regulatory and market changes to the debt settlement industry due to the pandemic. We'll talk about positive and negative changes in the debt settlement industry generally over the last few years. As you probably know, <laughs> quite a number of changes. The pandemic shifting consumer and regulatory agencies' view of the debt settlement industry. There's been a lot of activity from the regulatory side. And we'll also touch upon the legislative changes in various states and their impact on the debt relief industry and the consumers. So now I'd like to introduce, and I'm going to turn it over to the panelist. Tomas, would you be so kind to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you, Felix. Uh, Tomas Gordon, CEO of Clear One Advantage a full service, no upfront fee debt settlement company. Thanks, Tomas. Joseph. Hey, Joseph Duarte, Senior Vice President with RAM. Uh, we're a processor in the debt settlement space and I've been on the processing side as well as the creditor side for more than 20 years. Thank you, Joseph. Lawrence. My name is Lawrence LaRose. I'm the founder and the executive director of IAPDA. IAPDA is very active in the industry with training and certification program for reps of companies of all sizes. Uh, we have uh, new startups, sole proprietors, and uh, many of the largest companies in the industry uh, work with us on training their reps. Thank you, Lawrence. And just a little about myself. Um, I'm an attorney based in New York City, do a lot of work in the fintech space. I'm a transactional regulatory work um, attorney. Uh, we do a lot of litigation work as well in this space and hopefully we'll never need us for litigation. Um, and something I enjoy doing uh, in addition to practicing law is teaching law at Hofstra Law School. I've taught courses like corporate finance and uh, continue to teach a course uh, on the regulation of cryptocurrencies. So let's get into the fun part. Let's go to the questions, okay? First question is for Tomas. Tomas, how has this pandemic affected the debt relief industry? If you could talk a little bit more about the long and short-term effect and just give us your thoughts, thanks. Yeah, no problem. And you know, I, I can't speak for the whole industry. I can kind of speak from you know, what I've heard and what we've seen with Clear One. You know, I think initially, you know, everyone was in shock. I mean, it was uh, from figuring out how to operate the company 100% remote to dealing with partners, consumers not knowing what to do. It was, 
you know, I think the first couple of weeks were a little, little crazed and you kind of couldn't process it. But what we did see, which was really encouraging from the consumers, is the ones that were in the program seemed to be more um, involved and seemed more aggressive on getting out of the program. Now, we pulled back on marketing because we didn't really know exactly what to expect. And we saw, you know, our cost per acquisition go up a tad. I think there's a lot of customers that were really just trying to educate themselves. Okay, so I'm getting a little bit of relief from my mortgage company and my credit card companies. Um, I have time now. Let me kind of educate myself on what debt settlement was. So I know at Clear One, we spent a lot of time on you know, getting those materials out, keeping in touch with the customers, letting them know what's there. Um, we've kind of seen that kind of end. Um, but you know, I think two things we kind of solved from a macro level is people were paying down their debt more, credit card debt more, and people were paying in our program more. So there was a desire to finish the program. Um, you know, as far as long-term, you know, I, I do believe that there's gonna be a huge demand for our service here. Um, we're starting to see the pickup now, and I think it's gonna be even more so later. Um, I think when the forbearances are done with mortgage and creditors out there, I, I think you're gonna see a surge. Um, the, you know, the economy's not great. Unemployment's, you know, pretty high still, even though it's coming back. I think the service is going to be very well needed. Kind of curious to see, you know, what the other guys on the panel think about that as well, or what they've seen. Yeah, hey, thanks, Tomas. So, we, yeah, same thing. I mean, when when things started unfolding in March, um, it was a, you know, everybody was kind of caught on their heels trying to figure out where's this thing headed, what's it going to mean. Um, we immediately put in pro a, a process in place to allow customers to pause uh, their program. We saw creditors, same thing, scrambling, trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, accept payments and and staffing remotely. Uh, so we, you know, we put changes in process as well on that, and then, and then immediately also assessed our internal process to make sure that we had redundancy in place, and that uh, should there be an outbreak or a shutdown, it wouldn't affect operations. I think everyone as a as a whole kind of crossed all industries learned. Hey, we keep, you know we can. We can operate from home for the most part. We, you know, we can have remote work staff, or, you know, reduce the the amount of staff in in office, or even go to a hybrid, you know, two three days in the office and the rest of the time at home. So, it, it's been a shift. I don't think because this has gone on a lot longer that we, you know, have fully figured everything out. But I think we're kind of getting to that, you know, normal process as well. And this is kind of how it's going to be going forward. Yeah, we had the same experience as both of uh, you've described. Um, and then with the pandemic, people were living paycheck to paycheck. Matter of fact, the stat is 80% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And then the pandemic came and uh, they still had rent, still had car payments, groceries to buy. And the obvious solution was to use uh, credit card debt to get by. So uh, lenders are extending some payment relief, uh, but it's, it's not uh, mostly forbearance, it's gonna have to be repaid at some point. And the experts say this, uh, the difficulties from the pandemic are gonna last at least another year. So we feel the um, service provided by our industry is gonna be in huge demand. Back to you, Felix. Sure, thanks. Well, I think uh, this actually is a perfect segue to my next question. Um, do you gentlemen, and let me actually start with Joe, but I'd like everybody to chime in also. Do you see uh, the pandemic 
being a catalyst? Do we see in, in the rise of debt settlement services, or do we generally will see a rise in these services in coming years, and why? Well, short answer is absolutely. Um, you know, we know that the, that there's been a lot of the workforce unemployed for some time now. As, as Lawrence said, the forbearance agreements are going to stop. The creditors are going to hit a point where they have to start charging off debt. Uh, we know that the creditors are expecting significant increases in pre-charge off. They're increasing staffing on the collection side, and that's both on the early pre-charge off all the way down the pipe. Um, they're increasing their reserves uh, for the pending charge offs that are coming. So we know that we know the waves there, and, and I've, I've you know kind of put it out there to a lot of people that we've got a lot of people sitting in the ocean right now on their surfboards waiting for that wave, and it's it's coming it's you know it, it may not be this month and now now on top of this we've got a huge hurricane in the gulf that's you know gonna have an even bigger impact on some areas so we we know it's coming and i think everybody's pretty well prepared yeah joe and i'll add to that i agree with you know pretty much everything that joe said you know the other thing too is i think we're seeing you know the underwriting guidelines for the marketplace lenders um being tighter and or completely ceasing uh, altogether. So that's just one less option for the consumer out there to kind of take care of their debts. We've seen uh, staffing with all of our uh, member companies uh, on the increase right now. People are ramping up for what's coming. I agree with both of you guys. It's, uh, it's just a matter of time. We're there. I like the surfboard analogy um, and, and it's great. But we've noticed with all the companies we serve, um, the large ones, the smaller ones, the mediums, uh, everybody's ramping up with staffing right now. And that's, uh, of course, good for us. And I think it's going to be extremely good for the industry. And I'll, I'll put it out there to Tomas, too. Do you think that the, the customer base that typically uh, seeks debt settlement was less impacted by, you know, work stoppages and things of like that? I mean, it, to me, it seems to be a lot more the hourly uh, you know, people that have less credit to begin with, uh, you know, they typically don't have the, you know, $25,000, dollars $40,000 worth of credit to begin with. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, we didn't see a real spike in cancels at all, which we expected. And, and quite honest, like we were a little bit surprised about that. You know, we did see people skip pays, um, but 90% of the people that skip paid the first six weeks have continued to like started to pay again. So we, yeah, we didn't see what we thought. Again, we saw a pullback. We saw conversion rates drop a little bit. I think more people kind of still trying to learn and understand. They know they have time now, but um, yeah, no, we, we did not see our customer base get affected. It's, it's actually quite interesting, right? So what you're basically saying is in the beginning, there was a little bit of hesitancy from consumers, but then eventually they realized that they need these services and went back into making monthly payments. Is that what you're saying, Tomas? Yeah, that is. And I, look, I think the stimulus helped as well. I think, you know, people are still getting income. So I don't think we're kind of completely in uh, the know or done and, you know, it's, it's all back to normal. I still think, you know, we're still gonna see some changes as time goes, depending on what happens with the stimulus, depending on what happens with the creditors, depending what happens out there with the lenders. If they get aggressive, I don't believe they will. Um, I think, you know, look, I think part of the problem is, uh, you know, that they were maybe a little bit too aggressive with their underwriting guidelines and giving loans out. Okay. Well, that's good feedback. So let's continue with this. Um, 
which is actually it's a good it's a good next question. Well, and, and Lawrence, this is a question for you. If you could help us understand, you know, you've been in this space for quite a long time, and and you've seen, uh, you know, that settlement go up and down, and now we're seeing a rise in the demand of services. But if you were to explain to someone who's not familiar with this space, uh, what would you say if uh, to a question, you know, when is a consumer is especially one impacted now by this, you know, madness, by this pandemic, better off choosing debt settlement services over credit counseling or consumer bankruptcy? Well, Felix, people with uh, looking for debt relief uh, have four things basically that they're, they're interested in. Uh, and the monthly payment is one and how long it's going to take to be debt free. Uh, the third would be the total cost of the program. And fourth, the impact on their credit rating. And debt settlement is uh, generally best suited to individuals who are struggling with serious debt, can't even keep up with the minimum payments, and who would otherwise be thinking of uh, bankruptcy or credit counseling. Uh, they, they're generally look, looking for a low monthly payment, and they want to resolve their debts quickly. And uh, debt settlement uh, with the, both of those concerns would be their best, uh, their best option. Um, debt consolidation loans, um, you know, the person who has good credit, equity in their home, etc., cetera, uh, might consider a debt consolidation loan first. Um, a consumer who can afford a, a healthy monthly payment, which is typically about 3% of their total debt each month, and they want to protect themselves from collection and from going delinquent at all, they, they're perfect for a credit counseling program and they'll be in that program for five plus years. So it's not like a quick fix, but they can handle the monthly stresses of, of getting through that. Um, and then someone who wants the, just the lowest monthly payment, they wanna get out of debt as fast as possible, and they're willing to deal with the adverse credit impact uh, and, and the collection activity, debt settlement will be for those people. So, and then the last, group is probably if, if they can't afford anything in a monthly payment, um, then chapter seven bankruptcy is the option for that group. So uh, debt settlement's best for people who, who want to get out of debt fast, who can, can stick to the program, make the payments, uh, trust in the debt settlement company to work with them and get it done, and can deal with the, uh, the credit impact and rebuild after. That sums it. Thanks. Tomas, uh, Joseph, anything else? Have you, in your opinion, I understand that obviously you're both on the debt settlement side, but how would you convince someone that something is better than the other two options? Well, look, I agree with Lawrence 100%. I think, you know, the big thing is I don't think we try to convince anyone that debt settlement is the right option. I think we try to educate consumers that this is an option, understand the consequences, you're in complete control of the whole process. Um, it is a good alternative to some of the other um, things that are out there, you know, kind of pretty much, I think Lawrence was spot on. So, you know, again, we kind of take it from a more education approach as opposed to kind of convincing. And um, I think, you know, it's pretty obvious most of the time where someone should kind of go. I can say, I agree with Tomas. I work with their company and their company is excellent. There's nothing's forced on the consumer. Uh, education is the key, and they do a great job of that. It's a good plug for you, Thomas. 
Tomas. I know, Lawrence, my man. I, I tell you, I, I, <laughs> we, we got to do more business together for sure. I appreciate that. Always more. That's great. But we're, we're, we're happy with our relationship with Claire One. It's great. <laughs> Thank you, Lawrence. I appreciate that. All right. Well, uh, Tomas, we'll, we'll keep the mic on you. Um, and this is a subject matter that I think you find quite interesting. And we've had a number of discussions about it. Uh, there are a lot of regulatory changes. Uh, there have been changes happening in the past year uh, in a couple of states. And uh, let me ask you a high-level question. We'll go into the states a little, you know, in the next few minutes. But do you think this pandemic will be, uh, will this pandemic be a catalyst for more of these type of regulatory changing concerning the debt release space and why? So look, I mean, look, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but here's the concern that I have. Um, is our service is going to have a huge demand. I, I don't think anyone can really question that. We don't know, exactly know when it is, but we know it's coming. And when that happens, you usually get a lot of people that rush into the industry, lots of front ends, lots of marketing companies, um, you name it, they're going to rush into it. I think for full service, the barriers to entry may be a little bit too high. So I do think there's a responsibility amongst the full service companies to make sure that we kind of self audit some of the new affiliates that come in, some of the marketing affiliates, but you know, there's others that won't. And my concern is bad actors will come in the space. Um, they will charge upfront fees. They won't do things the right way. They will more convince the customer, not educate the customer, put them in a program they don't understand. And that's going to be give a rise to it or have very, aggressive marketing tactics that you know are not compliant and you're going to see a huge surge in AG complaints, better business bureau complaints, and ultimately that's going to lead to regulatory change. Um, I think clearly right now we're already being kind of watched, you know, and I, I don't mean to, head, to jump ahead, but you know, we've seen it in two states right now with North Carolina and California, and you know, they're pretty open and honest about telling us why they have a problem. So, you know, I, I just really hope that we can, uh, avoid some of this, but I, I do have concern for that, you know, in the next few years for sure. I, I might just add, Felix, that uh, as this pandemic uh, continues on, I, I feel this, the regulators are taking a real strong look at how the debt collection industry is working and looking at debt collectors and, and how the debt collectors are responding and if they're backing off, if they're not, if they're gonna become more aggressive. So I think it's gonna be a real uphill battle for the collectors. Um, and that may, may deflect a little of the attention from uh, the, the industry. Just my thought. Well, I think, I mean, I agree with a lot of that, that, you know, and, and some of that as the processing side, you know, we, we not only underwrite the companies uh, that we're working with that are referring business to us, but we also underwrite their affiliates as well. So, you know, we do the backgrounds, the checks, confirm all their information, make sure they're not bad players. So I think it's compliance as a whole is, is a partnership across, you know, all the channels, the affiliates, the debt settlement companies, as well as the payment processors to, to put the proper, you know, compliance procedures and underwriting guidelines and monitoring, you know, we, you know, monitoring for complaints and, and, you know, reporting that we, we internally track reports and, I um, mean, you know, complaints and, and as well as the resolution of those complaints. And, and we've got a dashboard that, you know, we can take a quick look at to see if, you know, there's an area or a company that's generating more complaints than, than anybody else. And, and we'll take action accordingly. So I think regulatory changes, I mean, I think that is, you know, 
as long as we all continue to work together to, to through the associations with the processors to the partnerships and, and maintain the proper compliance, there may be more regulatory, but I don't think it's, I, I think it's just a, you learn to build the compliance into your process and it becomes less of an issue. Thanks guys. Let me give you my thoughts about this. I think this actually, this question, the, the key here is the catalyst. And I think that it's never good for anything to be a catalyst for anything unless it's in a positive way. And all of us have lived the 2008 financial crisis and we saw major regulatory changes coming out of Dodd-Frank, which unfortunately, um, and really is unfortunate, has killed significant amount of small and mid-sized businesses in this country under the premise that it was a customer protection uh, type of legislation. Uh, and certainly had a lot of positive, um, Dodd-Frank had a lot of positivity to them. But I could tell you that um, it's never good to have a pandemic, financial crisis, or any adverse event, social or economic, uh, to be a catalyst for regulatory changes. I think regulatory changes need to be positive and, and normal and, and sort of on the same horizontal level versus being a reactionary. So let's hope that we won't have the pandemic be a catalyst for unnecessary and burdensome changes in the space. But anyway, let's keep with the same topic. Uh, there's a lot of activity, or there has been a lot of activity in the recent months in North Carolina and California. So Tomas, as the CEO of uh, one of the largest participants, are you concerned with the potential recent legislative changes, uh, well, proposed legislative changes to be exact, and um, how are these regulatory and legislative changes affecting your business, your consumers, and your company? So from the consumer side, I don't think we're really seeing any changes right now. In fact, I mean, here's the good news. I think with California and North Carolina, we're seeing more, you know, we've been reaching out to consumers to contact, you know, their state representatives, senators, and it's, it's been very positive. So, I mean, that's very encouraging and it kind of proves that we do have a good service out there for consumers. But um, as far as, am I concerned about it? Terrified, completely terrified. They want to eliminate the debt settlement industry. They want to get rid of it. They don't care about bad actors, good actors. They want it gone. North Carolina is very aggressive. And the person that is actually putting the bill in place is using all their political capital to end the industry. Um, I went down to North Carolina personally with my in-house counsel and, you know, to see this. And I think we did make headway. I think, you know, we're, we were very reasonable. We pointed out to them the benefits um, the AFCC and uh, were, were amazing with, you know, getting, making sure we all had the right lobbyists and getting in front of these guys. So we got to push, but the fight's coming back again next session. And in California, I, I wasn't as involved in that one, but, you know, involved as far as kind of keeping in touch from the feedback, it's the same way. It almost felt like we got a little bit lucky to kind of get out of that, but we know the fight's going to continue. And, they say it right. You know, they'll tell you to your face. The issue is they don't like the upfront fee models. And until we start to self-police and do that, this is going to be an issue. So it's going to be just as aggressive. Uh, they're going to be just as aggressive, if not more, because they're upset that it got pushed in the next sessions. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Joseph, what about you? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, I understand, you know, the concerns and everything. And I, you know, I think the bigger concern is what happens at the, the 
in Washington, D.C. more than anything right now. But I think having come from the collection space where, you know, it was in the, the throes of it in 2008, 2009, we, we thought we were, we were not going to be able to do business. We, we, you know, we went from a world of collections first, compliance second to compliance, compliance, compliance. So collections might be, you know, fifth or sixth on the list. And, and really, we, we learned to adopt, we learned to build our compliance into our processes, and, and we were able to, you know, continue to succeed and, and grow. And with compliance as the forefront of our processes, so we maintain the compliance and everything else. So I think the bigger issue is, is you know, if there are players that want to stay under the radar, I think that hurts consumers. So if you put too much regulation on it, that, that lends to bad players that stand under the radar and, and you know, break the rules without any regard for the consequences. The middle guys kind of get the squeeze because it layers a lot of additional compliance on top of it. And the bigger, the bigger players, you know, a lot of times that are able to adopt and build that into it. So in, in some regards, it, it hurts the consumers because it, it limits their options. Absolutely. And I think for everybody else, it's just, we've got to, you know, work with your, you know, if you don't understand something, work with your, you know, peers in the space or, or reach out to the processor side, because we're on the forefront of it too. We're, we're part of that compliance process for the companies, as well as, you know, the, the compliance that we have to maintain as well for our own selves. In general, I agree with that. I do believe you got to build compliance in, but it's not going to be a compliance issue if we are kicked out of the state. California does not want debt settlement. North Carolina does not want debt settlement. There's no building in compliance at that point. It's we're gone. We're not doing business in that state unless you're a loopholer. Um, so in some regards, I think the loopholers might benefit from um, having, you know, the good guys being kind of kicked out of there. But it's not a compliance in your department when you can no longer do business in that state. True. That's, that, that's the concern. And, and it should be a concern that everybody has right now because it's real. And we, should, we are fighting way too hard to continue to be in these states than we should be. So I, I, whoever's on the call, I just hope everyone understands that. This is a fight. Talk to AFCC, they will tell you. It's not easy right now. Do, do you think, let me, let's take this further. Do you think this will spread beyond California and North Carolina? Yeah, I, that's I the concern. So. Yeah, that's a concern for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of times California leads some of this, you know, over friendly consumer regulatory stuff that does spread. I mean, it, it's, it is, to monster right, it's an absolute concern, but I, I think it does the consumer more disservice. You, you take choices away from them. And, and when that happens, then that leads to, you know, higher costs to the consumer. Yeah, it's 100% right, Joe. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it, it hurts the consumer more. And, you know, the guys that are already bad actors, they don't care about the legislation. They don't care about the regulation. They'll still be there. So it does harm the consumer more, and it is a shame. Um, I mean, there's a bill in New York right now that's been parked there for a while. So, you know, that's another state that we might have to be fighting soon. So, um, you know, there's definitely con some concerns out there. You know, I do believe and I do hope with, you know, the industry coming together that we can educate, you know, the regulators out there and, and you know, we'll be okay. But again, my point is we're fighting way harder than we need to. Sure. And, I, and I think even, you know, Felix, thank you for putting this together because this is a perfect example of, you know, we're, we're publicly discussing the concerns and everything else. So there's likely regulators on the, con on, on the, on the call right now listening. So, you know, we're, we're hands open, willing to, to sit down and talk about our concerns and, and how we, how we improve. 
Sure, we're happy to provide this as a platform. I think that um, <clears throat> if we could take this further even more, and, I, and I, 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 I'd like to go into the, the, this discussion. We have a few more questions to go, but I think this is an important discussion. So Tomas, something that you mentioned really resonates with me and probably with some of the uh, listeners. You know, you're saying some people, some, or some companies want this industry gone gone from California, gone from North Carolina. Is it because you're an obstacle to them or is it because they just really don't understand that perhaps working with uh, the debt settlement companies in this space may actually be better off than being stuck with clients in a lengthy chapter um, 13 bankruptcy? Um, so look, I think from a regulatory standpoint, I, you know, talking with people, I don't think they really understood how the program works. And, you know, we tried to do our best to do that. It's difficult to do, um, you know, with politicians and, you know, as you're chasing them down the hallways in the build, in state buildings. So, you know, it's not like uh, you have a whole, you know, a full day with them to educate them. Although, you know, there have been sessions with that that others have done through the AFCC. But, um, you know, as far as, you know, them, you know, other companies out there, nonprofits trying to circumvent us. I mean, yeah, clearly. I mean, you look at Click in California, um, you know, they're against us. But, you know, I think we believe that there's some maybe marketplace lenders kind of behind them. Um, the concern is, is how aggressive some of these guys are with using, you know, as much political capital as they can to get rid of us. Um, and, you know, I think we've all been effective so far with, you um, you know, not making it final, but I do worry about the next session that comes about. Mm -hmm. Felix, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Lauren. I, I, I agree with everything Tomas was saying there. And I think the, those that are really working hard on, on preventing this type of legislation are also pointing out the impact that we have on, in California, for example, uh, the impact on the, the, the California economy is significant. There's almost a billion dollars of economic input into the economy. And we're, we're a large employer in the state as well. So those things and consumer, you know, people collected consumer testimonials about how well the program has worked for them. Those have been presented. And I think, again, it's exactly right. We've got a huge battle next year again, but um, we're, we're getting consumers on our side. Uh, we have a strong impact on the local economy in these states and uh, fingers crossed that those those things are heard. I hope so as well. And if the, for those of you who want to go back to a webinar we did a couple of months ago on the proposed California legislation, you will uh, hear uh, mine and my colleague Bianca Petku's unfiltered opinion about some of the problematic, you know, legislative uh, wording that exists uh, in that legislation. It's just, uh, it's very unfortunate that when when legislation is proposed and that it's not well thought through and in fact, will hurt consumers and really is counterproductive to what it's trying to achieve. So thank you. Let's, um, let's move on. We have uh, two more questions and uh, we're almost at the end. So uh, Joe, uh, uh, you and I have had a number of chats in the past uh, year or so about the space and you know, regulatory changes. You know, is there a spotlight on this, on this industry and why? You know, we talked about this yesterday, you know, when we were doing the prep for this, you know, is it sudden? No, I don't think so. I think the spotlight, you know, has, has been there. I think, you know, we there's some creditors that are not happy with with the 
the space, but they still continue to, you know, to work with debt settlement companies because it, it is a consumer choice. I think that, uh, you know, consumers may be seeing debt settlement as a preferred option. So it is attracting some additional attention that typically wasn't. Uh, the growth has been, I think, fairly consistent in the industry. It's not like we, we've seen a 35, 40% increase in the, in the industry in the last, uh, you know, year. So I don't think it's, you know, a, a new spotlight other than, you know, the new regulatory uh, changes that are potentially coming down the pipe and everything else. But I think it's, it's been pretty consistent. So I don't think it's now a spotlight that hasn't been there before. I think maybe it's just, we're more willing to talk about it than ever before. Tomas, Lawrence. So yeah, I know I, I, I agree with that. It, it's definitely not a sudden thing. Um, I guess, again, yeah, I keep going back to my concerns. I hate to be so, uh, you know, <laughs> nervous about the future. But again, you know, look, credit card debts at a huge high right now. It's the economy, you know, is not great. This is going to be very, very high on media. Uh, anyone that's doing a disservice to these highly leveraged consumers and underserved consumers. So, you know, I say underserved, that's why I believe we're a great option and we're there. But again, with bad actors coming into the space, potentially, and I'm not saying, but there are some out there now. Um, they're growing, they're going to get bigger. It's going to be more bad press, which could put us in a spotlight very aggressively, like 2008. And I know, Joe, you remember 2008. Lawrence, I'm sure you probably do too. I mean, you yeah. know, when we went through the TSR role, I mean, we were front and center. And, um, you know, I was fairly new to the space. And I remember, like, you know, it was, um, <laughs> you know, I was shell-shocked on how aggressive the laws came. I mean, from the fees we charged before to 0%, or, you know, zero upfront fees, you know, all of a sudden, your whole balance sheet changes and, you know, you're losing money on every customer you enroll. So you had to be serious about staying in the space and making sure you wanted to do the right thing. And the industry completely... You know, I don't know, we have a few thousand people before, and I know we have much less than that, maybe a hundred. I, I mean, I don't know the number, but um, I, I do get concerned. But the companies have grown, so I do get concerned that we could be in the spotlight just because the whole situation with the economy and credit card debt. So who are these bad actors? And without obviously naming any specific companies, but... I, you know, if they're probably one of the main reasons why there's a lot of spotlight, what do they do that you, that you guys think they're doing wrong? And what, what, what is it they should do to, to stop giving this industry a bad name? Well, I think in 2000, you know, pre, pre TSR as a creditor, we ran a lot, we ran across a lot of companies that had absolutely no intention of settling debt. And unfortunately for those consumers, they were, put into a bucket where our only option was to pursue litigation. So the TSR, one standpoint of good and that from a creditor's perspective, it now meant that, that the debt settlement companies had an interest in cooperating that, and I don't mean, you know, working together to get to resolve the debt for the benefit of the consumer. So I think in that aspect, you know, those type of regulations, yeah, do remove the bad player and, and help the process. It comes back to uh, upfront fees. And, uh, you know, we solved this problem once and I'm sure we'll work hard at solving it again. So, so are you saying there's still companies that take upfront fees? Well, uh, I, I think they're, oh, I'm sorry, Lawrence. 
I no, no, go, go ahead, Thomas. I just was going to say, I'm sure you have something that you can educate the listeners on, on this, on that particular topic. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly guys that charge upfront fees out there. And here's the thing, and I'm sure some of them are compliant to the letter of the law. I, I, I don't disagree with that. The problem is, it's not just the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law. The spirit of yeah. the law is to not charge upfront fees. And this just pisses people off, completely pisses regulators off, and causes for a bad experience. And when you're doing that and you're encouraging others that you can do this, it's not good. And I, I'm not saying that they're doing bad services or, you know, giving bad service to the consumers. I'm just saying it's pissing the regulators off. And you can just, look, I don't have to name any names. You could just sit there and Google who's out there right now with lawsuits. It's, mm -hmm. it's an issue. It gets brought up every time you go lobbying. So it's something that we well, definitely need to clean up. Well, I, listen, I mean, obviously we know there's models out there, advanced fee. We, we work with those companies as well and we underwrite them. I've talked to them. I know that, you know, they're, they're attorney models so that they've got the involvement of the attorney. And for, for a lot of consumers, working directly with an attorney is either a preferred option or a better option, depending on their creditor mix, what state they're in, they're at in the financial picture. You, if you're in a state that is, is very creditor friendly and you have creditors that are aggressive on the litigation side, <clears throat> An attorney model is is the preferred choice, and I mean, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. If you if you if you engage an attorney, you're going to pay upfront fees. Well, that's not true. There are attorney models out there that are no upfront fees, and the reason why they go with the attorney model in states that we're not licensed in is because that's their only option. So, I think a consumer would really rather have more control over the process. I mean, we can't charge a fee until we actually the funds are wired and they approve it it completely puts the consumer in control. If they don't have that option and their only option is an attorney to pay upfront fees, that's fine. But there are also attorney models that don't charge upfront fees. That's true, yeah, there are. are very the, compliant. There are, there's, well, there's both. And I think that it models that, you know, for us, model the, the companies that do charge upfront fees, they're underwritten. We understand the process. I've talked to the, the attorneys that are leading the process and the involvement's there. So we're, we're comfortable that it's compliant and, and we don't see it. We don't see a differentiation in the complaints really between, you know, the, the two models. Um, well, you don't it, see it from consumers, but you see it from the regulatory side. So why it might be compliant, um, the regulators don't feel like it is and they feel like it's a loophole. And that is going to encourage regulators to get aggressive. Um, well, we're, we're watching this. This is happening right now. So you can't argue that this is the issue. It was one of the biggest issues in California, a big issue in North Carolina. It's happening because of that. They're not mm -hmm. complying with the spirit of what the law was trying to do. Okay. Well, then that's a perfect segue to our last question. If there are companies that are not complying with what they should be doing, not complying with TSR, and this leads to unfortunate and I do say unfortunate sincerely because some of these regulatory changes are unfortunate. They could be better or could be more sensible. But what should the debt settlement industry do as a group um, to deal with these potential regulatory concerns? Uh, do we have enough cohesion in the, in the industry to say, look, we've got to stop the bad players and we've got to tell the consumers and the regulators that we're actually doing a good service, providing good service? What are your thoughts? Let me start off with Tomas. Well, I, I feel like I'm talking too much, but I appreciate that, Felix. Um, 
look, I think the, the industry needs to kind of come together. I think we need to self-police. I think we need to support the associations that are out there and hold the associations out there that are accountable. There's lots of good plans that are out there right now that people are trying to, um, or the association trying to implement. I think they're positive. I think they're good. I'm completely supporting and behind them, but I'd like to see some execution. Um, but I think self-policing is 100% needed uh, before this does get out of hand and turns into another 2008. That's my belief. Yeah, I agree with Tomas, and I think we, we need to get right to the grassroots. And of course, that's IAPDA talking, but we, need, we, you know, we have a byline that says we're bringing the industry's sales and customer service consultants to a minimum standard of excellence, customer protection, and product knowledge. Those are the people that are on the other end of the phone line with our consumer clients. And uh, we can go a long way if we, if we teach these people right and, and show them what they need to do. There's my plug for IAPDA. <laughs> and I'll plug you too, Lawrence. I, I agree. Great company, great education, and uh, totally recommend and encourage more education to the companies out there so we can all do the right thing and educate the customers the way they need to. Excellent. Well, uh, we are at the end of our uh, webinar. Um, any final thoughts, gentlemen? Just to thank you, Felix. Great to be out here talking about things. Pleasure. Thank you, Lawrence, for being here. Yeah, yeah Felix, th thank you. And thank you know, Joe and, and Lawrence for uh, putting up with me talking too much on the call. I appreciate it. I think Tomas, I mean, you're kind of front and center in it. And I know, yeah. we, you know, well, we, we, you know, we've got a bit of a agree to disagree on the, on the advanced fee models, but you know, there's room for both. And I agree that, you know, self-police and compliance and everything else. And I think, you know, I, I mentioned yesterday, you know, maybe, maybe we should do one more of these and, and bring a couple, you know, creditors uh, on board as well too, because I think that's one area that, you know, we can maybe as an, as an industry improve as well as, is continue to be, you know, have dialogue with the creditor side, uh, you know, Judy Hammond uh, helped put together a, a session uh, last, I think September, with, uh, you know, creditors and debt settlement companies talking about, you know, the, the working relationship and the pain points each other have with one another. So I think that, you know, that needs to continue. Yeah, actually, Joe, that, that's a good point. And I, I guess I was a little bit negative on the last piece about self-policing, but that's another thing that we probably should do is, you know, I think better communication with the uh, creditors out there is only going to help. I think, you know, there still is a stigma out there with the debt settlement space of, you know, pre-TSR. I, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I have very close friends that are, you know, high up in some of these credit, they still have that same stigma. So I think more knowledge, more education, whatever we can do, um, whether it's through the associations that we support or individually, I, I think that, that that's a really good point, Joe, and um, should be encouraged. It'll. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, uh, a, a huge amount of uh, gratitude. Uh, thank you for your time, for, for agreeing to do this. I think you provided fantastic and very candid feedback uh, to the listeners, to the industry, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you for those of us who have joined us. Uh, as always, I have a little presentation, a little slide about the services that my firm offers in this space. And uh, I encourage you to subscribe to Debt Relief uh, Watch. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we update it pretty regularly uh, with news and information about the space. And, uh, 
thank you for joining us. Thank you to the panelists. Thank you to the participants. And um, if you uh, have suggestions or thoughts about future webinars or panels, please feel free to share them with me. My contact information you see on the slide. Have a wonderful day and until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. having us, Felix. Yeah, thanks again.